We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi there, and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Today is Monday, November 13th, 2023. I am joined by my good buddy, Ryan Boyer. Um, it's been a quiet offseason so far, but that doesn't mean we don't have things to talk about. We had a couple managerial uh, hirings since we did our last show. Me and that, uh, I think his name's Andrew Silbert or something like that. We did a show together, uh, uh, joined by the, the the better of the three. Like the, the, of the three of us who've been doing this, I'm joined by the better of the three. Let's just be honest. Um, but we will talk about uh, the rookie of the year, which uh, unsurprisingly was not close. We'll talk about those couple of managerial decisions. And then we're going to go over some players who could be on the trade deadline, maybe that we kind of want to be on the trade deadline and look at some teams that maybe make sense. But let's start with that rookie of the year, Ryan. Um, unanimous in both leagues. It is not common that this happened. We did see it happen, I believe, in 2017 was the last with Judge and Bellinger. Uh, and before that, it was 1997. I don't have those names in front of me because, you know what, I'm just not that good at this. But I do know that it's not terribly common. I'm not surprised at all. Um, You know, <laughs> what can you say about these guys, especially Carol, who just put together – not just a great rookie season, but just a great season overall. Um, Henderson, it's no uh, insult to him either. He was obviously very deserving. Um, real quick, go over the vote, vote results because I have the BBWA. Um, Tanner Bibby finishes second in the American League. Tristan Case is third. And then the National League, we have Kodai Senga finishing second and James Outman third. I mean, these are two pretty darn good rookie of the years, Ryan. We don't always get that, but these guys are pretty darn good. Yes, to say the least. Um, I was trying to think. 97, that probably would have been – feels like that was in the midst of the that Dodgers run where they had like five straight rookies of the year or whatever it was. Same yeah. right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, two unanimous selections, as you oh, mentioned. Oh, Ryan, 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 Ryan. I'm sorry. I just got it in front of me. It is not. It is the end of that run. It's two, uh, pretty, good, it's two pretty good ones, though. 1997, Nomar Garcia Pera and Scott Rowland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good duo. Absolutely. One Hall of Famer and one uh, guy who might have been a Hall of Famer if he could have. Uh, I think someday he'll get there. I think someday he'll get there. You think so? Just, just based on the fact that, look, the Tim Raines flood, or excuse me, not the Tim Raines floodgates, the Harold Baines floodgates, I think open up things to a lot. 
and people are going to look at the dominating years that Nomar Garcia Power had. I know it ended poorly, and I know it ended fairly shortly. It's very hard for to me to imagine a player who's had those kinds of seasons someday doesn't get written in. You might very well be right. If he okay. if he gets in, I mean, they have to put him doing somehow doing the the pre at bat routine on the plaque. <laughs> capture. No more and all of his no moreness. I love it. All right, that was a bit of an aside there, but yeah, yeah that happens <laughs> as we are wont to do. <laughs> um, yeah, Corbin Carroll. I mean, the only if there's any negative you can say about it about his rookie season, and it's not something that's even his fault, is that he dealt with that shoulder thing. That was the only hurt the shoulder the subluxation or whatever it's called. And then popped up again, like a few weeks after that. So that's the only thing that put a little bit of a damper on his, on his rookie season. But yeah, just, I mean, the guy went 2050 in his, in his rookie season and Gunnar Henderson, as you mentioned, just a phenomenal rookie season from him as well with the, with the Orioles, Mike Petriello, tweeted out that I thought was interesting that the benchmarks or whatever you want to call them thresholds to retain rookie status are so archaic. Like they use it bats instead of plate appearances. Sure. And if by plate appearances, I think the number is 135 for hitters, 145. I feel like he would have, if they were going by plate appearances, that number, Henderson would have passed it um, last year, but because they go by bats for some reason, um, he did not. So I, I don't know, just something that needs to be updated. And they have they have updated these. Uh, what is it called? The rookie incentive? Yes. Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe maybe time to update those uh, rookie rookie eligibility requirements. I mean, it's kind of technicalities, I guess. It doesn't sure. really that make that big of a deal. But, right. you know, as you mentioned, though, two of the better or one of the better rookie classes, I guess we could say, as far as two unanimous choices. No, not surprised that they're – I mean, Kodai Senga had a – I know he's an untraditional rookie. Right. Um but he, he had a phenomenal season. He's going to finish in the top 10 in Cy Young voting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, he would have been a fine rookie of the year choice any other year. Tanner Bybee didn't really – when did he finally get his first promotion? It was like June or something. I can't remember exactly. He, he, he spent certainly significantly less than a full season in the majors. But mm-hmm. because of that incentive program, he does get a full – year of service time because he finished runner up. So that's a, that's a nice little, little wrinkle that they added to it. The guardians, I'm guessing not super happy about that. Probably not. Yeah. But good, uh, phenomenal rookie seasons from both of those guys. And they're going to be fantasy studs for, for many, many years. If I had one complaint here, Ryan, and it's, it's, it's a silly one, I guess, but look, I pay attention to these things and 
I didn't hear a dang word about Tanner Bybee being a rookie of the year candidate for the overwhelming majority of the year. And I'm just telling you right now, Baseball Writers Association of America, if you're just going to do your vote by looking at fan graphs and looking at war leaders, then give it to somebody else. Because this is the most clear example I think I've seen of that of anybody ever. Because it's really hard for me to believe that Josh Young and Tristan Cassis failed so poorly or had such a bad second half of the season, because I know they didn't, that all of a sudden that this guy that absolutely nobody was talking about just, oh, it was so obvious that Tanner Bybee was going to be this second place vote. That's nonsense. Writers, just and if you're doing this, just tell us where you're doing it. Just tell us that's what you're doing. Because it doesn't matter. Nobody's voting on who finishes second in the Cy Young Award. I hope not. That seems like a gambleholic type of thing to me. But did you hear one word about Tanner Bybee being a, um, a rookie of the year candidate um, up until the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the I feel like most people were talking about Josh Young being yeah. the likely you know runner up. I mean, he maybe was because Gunnar Henderson got off to a, a bad start in April and Young got off to a hot start. I mean, he looked yep. like the very early favorite for rookie of the year. But then, of course, the his injury and Gunner just being a monster the rest of the way made it made that all a all a moot point. But yeah, I guess you're right. I guess the Tanner Bybee that stuff didn't really uh, he wasn't on any lists really. <laughs> it, and it doesn't matter. The official list came out. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. But it's just like I think that's the most. I just looked and saw who led the league in war in terms of rookies type of vote that I think I have seen because there was no hype around him. And I'm not even, of course, I'm not saying he's not deserving. He had an excellent rookie season. Like one of the higher floor pitchers I think I've seen from a rookie campaign, like very few blowups and a lot of really quality starts. And that's not surprising. That was kind of his profile coming up. By the way, he came up earlier than I thought. April 26th is when he made that first start. It does seem like, he was one of the earlier guys. Maybe we uh, confused him a little bit with Gavin Williams a little bit because both of those guys getting promotions as top prospects. Uh, by the way, Gavin Williams still the better long-term pitching prospect in my personal opinion of the two, but a lot to like about both. Anyway, it's a little bit of a side thing. It's just, man, that is just the most obvious ever, I think, of just people looking at Van Graff's sort by war, rookie. Here we go. This is my ballot. Absolutely. No one can yell at me. Uh, manager stuff. We had three new manager hires last week. We got two kind of this week. Uh, Ron Washington to the Angels happened uh, between our podcasts. And then uh, Espada to the Astros, which I think is maybe one of the more obvious hires. I, I said to Drew that I was very sure that I thought they were going to promote internally for Dusty Baker. That almost always happens when you have a successful organization and have a manager retire. You have somebody be brought in. Of those two, is there one that's more interesting to you, Ryan? I mean, just as far as manager hires go, um, I don't know. I think the Ron Washington thing is – pretty interesting just because he's mm -hmm. been hasn't been a manager for such a, a long, long time. time yeah um obviously he his tenure the with the rangers ended kind of abruptly for uh various reasons but i mean he's been a extremely well respected coach since mm -hmm. 
And Alex Anthopoulos basically was just like, I mean, he's going to be our biggest loss of the offseason. Um, so saying that he doesn't think he's ever going to meet a guy like Ron Washington again in, in the game of baseball. But, yeah, insert your uh, your money ball quotes here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good luck, Wash, going to the – to the Angels, um, you're soon about to watch Shohei Otani walk out that door. Um, <laughs> does Mike Trout follow him? I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Trout, we did not list on our on our uh, on our trade uh, our trade thing that we're going to talk about later, but I think he probably could have been in that discussion because I know he's popped up. But yeah, happy to see Ron Washington get another shot. I mean, it's nice to get a. Old man in the, in there too. I mean, yes, yeah. But uh, yeah, Joe Espada's interviewed for many jobs over the years. It's yeah. a little curious why he hasn't hadn't gotten a job already, but certainly deserves a shot. And I don't know if you saw my tweet from earlier, but like Joe Espada always reminded me of someone, like just as the way he looked. Mm-hmm. I finally figured it out. He looks exactly like Martin Prado. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did a tweet earlier with them side by side. I mean, they yeah. could be like, they could be twins. Oh, they yeah. 100% could be twins. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's interesting about us, what a, a spotter is, is that he has uh, interviewed for a bunch of jobs. I was pretty surprised to find out that he's only 48 years old just because yeah. of how many jobs he's interviewed for. But it just makes so much sense to promote within in this situation. The sure. Dusty Baker is leaving on his own accord. You know, is, do I think Dusty Baker was a bit of a flawed manager? Sure, absolutely, I do. But he wasn't forced out. I think if Dusty Baker wanted to do this for a couple of more years, I think the Astros wouldn't have had too much of a problem with it. It just makes sense to come up internally here. And there was a lot of talk. I saw a bunch of tweets about had a spot and not gotten the Astros job, then I think a spot is probably going somewhere else. Like he probably was going to, you know, feel a little disrespected that it wasn't his job. I think he maybe showed some loyalty by sticking with the Astros and maybe not being as interested in some of those jobs. So I think this was a nice little fit. You know what I mean? To just kind of keep what you got going. You've made seven straight LCSs. I don't think you want to make too many changes uh, within the organization. And yeah, Ron Washington, I mean, Boy, by the way, I forgot just how that organization just totally collapsed in 2014. Like they were from 2000. I mean, heck, you your favorite baseball team played them in a World Series, and it was uh, a lot of fun. It's a neutral party. I'm sure, you know, you liked it, but it was a crazy time, I'm sure, for you. You know that that Texas Rangers team was awfully good. And then they were like 53 and 87 when he ended up resigning from that position. And it took him a long time to play catch up. Like that organization has been, you know, it was a quick rebuild in terms of like signing Seager and Simeon. But long story short, like Ron Washington's tenure there was successful until it really, really wasn't. I'm going to be really curious to see like what they do for him. Because normally when you see these new type of managerial hires, you're talking about like, For a team that looks like it's in a rebuild mode, you usually go with like a young guy, somebody who's going to be building stuff up. All due respect to Ron Washington, who is only as old as he feels. This is not a spring chicken. This is a guy who's been around for a while. 
And I think he might be managing a pretty bad baseball team. By the way, interesting to note, uh, hasn't been made official or anything close. It looks like Phil Nevin might be getting the San Diego Padres job. That's pretty surprising to me, isn't it to you, Ryan? I hadn't seen that. I saw that he was it was tweeted out earlier that he was uh, supposedly a, be a finalist. But yeah, I, I, everything was pointing to it either being Schilt or Ryan Flaherty, them promoting from within there. Right. But that's interesting. Yeah, and it's it's far from official. There's there's a lot of things to go. Just the fact that he's even a finalist is surprising to me too. Because yeah. just being honest with you, sure, he dealt with a organization that didn't draft very well that didn't have a lot of depth you know did have some star talent no question about it but a lot of it not on the field all the time i didn't come away terribly impressed with what phil nevin did like just just the eye test for me didn't really pass so i'm just like surprised to see that i think mike schilt just makes way too much sense like way i wonder if schilt i've seen him speculated about potentially getting a look in milwaukee now I wonder if oh yeah 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 i forgot I keep forgetting the Milwaukee job is open. I mean, that is still one of the most surprising things I think yeah. we've seen in a very, very long time. But it does make sense. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple Milwaukee players here in just a sec and talk about some other players. Can't guarantee it, but could be on the move and could be of interest. But first, we're going to take a very quick commercial break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so let's talk about some guys who could be on the move. And look, a lot of these guys you've heard mentioned, you know, you heard them mentioned at the trade deadline. You heard them mentioned probably the season before. I think the second guy we're going to talk about has been rumored to be traded since he was pitching at St. Mary's. There's a little bit of a spoiler alert about who we're going to talk about, but I do think of quite a few of these guys could be on the move. And let's start with what could be the biggest fish on the trade market, Juan Soto. Juan Soto has had some inconsistency over the past couple of seasons, to say the least, but the overall numbers have been pretty darn good, Ryan. I think we forget just how young this guy is. And the reason why he's on the market, of course, potentially, is the fact that he has not signed his long-term contract and he's probably looking at the second largest contract in baseball history behind Shohei Otani when he hits it. By the way, would you agree with that? Soto's not getting Otani money, right? No, I think it'll be less. Um, I expect Otani to get more than 500. Um, Yeah. What was it that Soto turned down from the Nationals? It was four something, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think he'll get in the 400s. I mean, he's still going to be one of the youngest free agents ever and has quite the resume. But yeah, he'll, he'll be second mind no tiny. I think I agree with that. I think so too. Now, I think everyone's going to have interest in Juan Soto if he truly is available. And if I'm the Padres, sure, I'm making him available. And if somebody wants to offer me the whole kit and caboodle, then yeah, I think you've got to consider it, especially after having such a disappointing season in 2023 more so the Padres having a disappointing season than Soto to be honest because those numbers are awfully good so I'll ask you one is Juan Soto a player who you think gets traded before the start of 2024 and two where would you like to see him go if he does well if we go by what Buster only said he is 100% going to get traded wow Um, uh, so that but that was also after John Heyman kind of threw a wet blanket on the whole prospect, but he, he didn't really, Heyman kind of just reasoned that Preller just doesn't really have it in his DNA to sell, which I guess is pretty accurate, but mm-hmm. I, given what's been reported of the Padres financial quote unquote issues, I mean, as much as, a major league baseball owner can have financial issues. Right. Um, I could see them at the very least kind of needing to at least shift some money around. I mean, they have, they're going to lose Blake Snell. Uh, They lost Nick Martinez. They're going to have Hugh Darvish and Joe Musgrove coming back who both ended the year with injuries, right? Yep. Um, and not much depth outside of that. So they're going to need some pitching help if they want to contend in 2024. And you can bet that they're at least going to attempt to do that. So I think trading Soto does make some sense. I also, I mean, you always knew that it was going to be a possibility with, you know, the package that they gave up for Soto. Preller knew that down the line, if it didn't work out, he could recoup a lot of that 
a lot of that value. I don't think he's going to get all that value back. He gave up a lot in that deal. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's only one more year on, on Soto's deal. As far as where I'd like to see him go, I mean, we've seen the Yankees speculated a lot. That certainly makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Juan Soto's going to hit anywhere, but that left-handed swing at Ooh. Yankee Stadium would be uh, yeah, would be awfully nice. Um, yeah. You have any other spots in mind for him? Yeah, you know, I'm going to come off as a homer here. I do think Seattle makes a lot of sense for the Juan Soto type of deal, in part because, look, the Mariners, like, they were hurt by the lack of their pitching depth. But if you look at what the arms that they have, if there's anybody who could afford to move like a Logan Gilbert or a George Kirby in a type of deal for a Juan Soto, I think Seattle is one of those teams, especially if they have a lot of confidence. And based on what I've heard, they have a lot of confidence in Brian Wu. They have a lot of confidence in Bryce Miller being mid-rotation guys. Um if you can offer him as a starting point, a cost-controlled top-of-the-rotation potential, and with Kirby, I think we've seen more potential realized as a top-of-the-rotation guy, to add a guy like that on top of some really good young prospects, I think he makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, Kerry Miller actually posted this list of the top 10 Soto landing spots, and I think all of them make sense. Yankees at number one, Mariners two, Red Sox three, Mets four, Giants five, Cubs six, Blue Jays 7, Orioles 8, Diamondbacks 9, Dodgers 10. Now, look, that's basically a list of every team that's potential for a big market deal. Like, that's, let's just be honest here. That's that's just basically a list of the usual who's who. But I think especially the Mariners, the Yankees, and the Red Sox make a ton of sense for Soto. You know, they, you talked all that talk about financial flexibility, uh, Red Sox. You got a chance to potentially add either – Shohei Otani as a free agent or Juan Soto via trade with a good farm system. Red Sox have a ton of guys who could make sense in the trade like that. I think that's the three that you got to start with. It would pain me to, if this happened, but I could see the Cubs being a fit as sure. well. Yeah. Um, and they've been speculated as they would definitely be in on the, on the talks. If, if Soto was on the market, um, we've heard, I don't know if the Craig Council thing signals that they're going to spend a lot of money, but everybody's kind of speculating that they're going to, they were already going to do that anyway. Sure. Right. Um, obviously showed it last off season with a kind of surprising free agent splurge. Mm-hmm. I, I thought with the Danzy Swanson and, and some other guys, but yeah, I think those are, I think those make sense as potential. So landing spots, I mean, for fantasy purposes, the Yankees will be awfully nice, though. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It would be great to see. Now, look, it'd be great to see Juan Soto hitting behind Julio Rodriguez. It would be great to see um, the the Red Sox have some quality young players as well. The Mets, you know, make some sense. I actually don't think the Mets really match up trade-wise. I also don't think the Giants, who are listed at five here, if Juan Soto was a free agent, I might make the Giants the favorite to sign him. I think that just makes all the sense in the world. They have come so close to actually signing these guys. And this is not a, well, we tried thing that we see a lot of organizations leave. No, they were like this close to actually landing both Arson Judge and um, that Carlos Correa guy. In fact, they landed that Carlos Correa guy until they didn't. I think that would make sense. You can't see a trade interdivision between those teams. like, And especially because yeah. the Giants just don't have the farm system for it. They've got some good young players. 
but I just don't think that makes sense. That's really interesting. The only report on a trade, it's just, it seems to me like it would make more sense to try to give this a go to try to win a world series and then see what you could get for him at the deadline, because yeah. somebody's still going to offer an awful lot. The, the market will go down. There's no question about it for only two months of the player. There's no question that the market will go down, but it's Juan Flip and Soto, man. I would try and do everything I can to appreciate those talents. One thing's for sure is wh- whatever we think AJ Preller is going to do, he's going to do something else. It's a hundred percent. It. But I, I, if, it would not shock me if we log off here and we find out that Juan Soto has signed a contract extension. With the they, or they traded Manny Machado instead or something yeah. like that. There you go. Exactly. Uh, I think this guy is pretty darn likely to get moved at this point. We heard some stuff about it last year. Corbin Burns. Now, Corbin Burns, of course, also had the tiff, that's for a lack of a better term, uh, with this organization Milwaukee just seems like an organization that is not going to give Corbin Burns the contract that he deserves. It's, you know, prove me wrong. The the Christian Yelich contract was an awfully nice one. By the way, Christian Yelich, who we did not list, I don't believe, on this list. Also somebody I could see being moved at this point. Sorry, Milwaukee. Like, it just happens so often that you have to make these players mentioned. I think Corbin Carroll, or excuse me, Corbin Carroll. I do not think Corbin Carroll will be traded. Make that my stone cold lock of the week. Uh, I do think Corbin Burns will get traded there. Do you agree? And do you have any landing spots that make sense? Yeah. I mean, when the Brandon Woodruff injury first popped up, I I thought that that would increase the chances that Burns would stay put, but that that was predicated on the Brewers trying to win in 2024 and it doesn't sound like they're gonna try to win Mm -hmm. um i mean it's kind of depressing that the a team that's you know just made the postseason and has made the postseason quite a bit in recent years could kind of punt but i think it was ken rosenthal came out with an article recently that basically said it's just a matter of when not if the brewers core is going to be split apart. I mean, not only is Corbin Burns likely to be traded, Willie Adamas is a potential free agent after this upcoming season and doesn't look like he's going to be getting a long-term deal. Devin Williams has one additional year of control, but he could be traded as well. Um, I mean, they did that with timing-wise. They did the same thing with with Hayter as well to – to disastrous results that trade didn't really uh, come off very well in that clubhouse. You might recall, Mister Mister yeah, Crawford. I do. Um, but yeah, Corbin Burns. I mean, he's the stuff. Um, the strikeouts backed up a little bit this year, but he was still mm-hmm. awfully good. Um, I mean, they're going to get a ton in a return for him. He's absolutely not going to be signing a long term deal there. So it's. I mean. Maybe they hang on to him until the trade deadline, but it certainly seems like he's going to be dealt this sometime this winter. Yeah. I just wonder who. I think the Red Sox were the team that I thought of the first for him just because it kind of makes sense in terms of a prospect match and in terms of a team that needs a Corbin Burns type of pitcher. I think that makes an awful lot of sense. I think Baltimore makes sense if Baltimore wants to be aggressive in this type of thing. 
you know, your World Series window is right now. And adding somebody like Burns to pitch at that top of the rotation makes a lot of sense. The Dodgers are going to be rumored for every starting pitcher to ever pitch. I'm pretty sure the Dodgers are going to be rumored to sign every pitcher from 1997 on. Like Brett Saberhagen and Andy Bennis are probably signing deals with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, if there was, I thought there was any chance that Milwaukee would trade him within the division, the Cardinals would make an offer. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. But they're, they're not going to trade him in the division, I'm sure. That no. stuff is, frankly, kind of silly, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get it in certain instances. Um, but, I, like, you're, you're really cutting off a, the potential to make your best trade. Yeah. Uh, by excluding all your division mates. It just seems kind of silly to me. But well, Especially pitchers. Like, I kind of get it with, like, where I really get this is in football. And it's for one year. I mean, yeah, for one year. Yeah. I mean, this is where I get, like, no, not wanting to do – if you were, like oh, – I'm not saying this is going to happen. If you were the Bengals, you're not trading Joe Burrow to the Pittsburgh Steelers to face him two times a year for the next decade. Like, that yeah. type of stuff makes sense. For baseball, when it's a pitcher who's only going to make 30 appearances anyway and maybe four or five of them are going to be against your team, it doesn't make – any sense to cut that off however it does seem like it's still a thing it does still seem like more with position players than pitchers but there still is that thought of i don't want this guy facing me and haunting me and yada 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 well then maybe you should sign that guy to a contract if you don't want him to hire to haunt you is my personal thought i think adamas is a great call too i could see a situation where maybe those two are tied together a, a trade where those two uh end up going somewhere I wonder if Corbin Carroll – why do I keep saying Corbin Carroll, man? Christian Yelich, whose name sounds nothing like Corbin Carroll. I'm sorry about that. Kind of has a similar skill set to Corbin Carroll. Uh, but, you know, they just don't have – whatever. Life is short. Uh, I wonder if they would attach that contract in that type of deal. Like if that would be something where you maybe get a little bit of a pro- better prospect haul. They shouldn't be doing that. Uh, Christian yeah. Yelich is way too good of a player for you. And yeah, his contract is on the hefty side, especially for a team that operates as a mid-market team. But I can't help but wonder if they would consider doing something like that. I mean, I know that um, the Dodgers' big splash this season is probably going to be signing Otani. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine them signing Otani and trading for Corbin Burns and Willie Damas in a package? Yeah. I mean, Willie Thomas makes a lot of sense for a team like the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are going to have a They are going to say they're they're going to play Gavin Lux there next year, but at shortstop, but he's coming off the ACL tear, and a lot of people think he might be better suited for second base anyway. Um, Yeah. So uh, Gavin Lux might make, make more sense as a guy to ship to Milwaukee in that deal, but. That's exactly what I was going to say. I would not be shocked. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Gavin Lux is a headliner and some big deal for them. I just think the Dodgers are going to have a massive offseason. I think that they're going to end up with Otani. Wouldn't shock me if they end up with Otani and Yamamoto and Corbin Burns and a couple of other things. Like, I I just think that the Dodgers are going to go, as the kids once said, ham this offseason. I expect them to add a lot of really really good baseball players i don't think that's a super hot take but like i could see them just basically i almost said a term that you're not allowed to say but like kind of dominating 
uh, this offseason just because after not spending a lot, I think that it makes an awful lot of sense for them to be aggressive. It wouldn't be surprising to me if they were aggressive for the next player we want to talk about, Tyler Glasnow, who I think the Rays have a ton of guys who could be on the move this offseason. And it's not a even a um, a rebuild type of thing. I think it's just a reload thing because of the depth that they have. I think that there are a lot of guys who make a lot of sense to be moved. And Tyler Glass now coming off a very good season when healthy, but an expensive baseball player for a team that still is operating like a, you know, and they can will continue to operate as a bottom third payroll type of team. Um, Yandy Diaz is another player I could see moved. I could see Manny Margot, who you put in the sheet, as a player that could be on the move as well. It wouldn't shock me at all if we saw some really good baseball players being on the move, in part because Tampa Bay has guys who are ready to replace some of these guys. Yeah, and as you mentioned, I mean, the it's the player payroll thing with them too. I mean, even if they trade glass now i think they would still be projected to have a the highest payroll they've ever had next mm. year i know uh eric neander said you know they can they can keep he's been told by ownership they could keep uh the roster basically as is and they'd be okay but you know, what else do you expect him to say i mean that's sure. it's just that's just not realistic we, we yeah. know the history with the rays I'm going to tell you right now, Chris, I'm going to be, I think, legitimately upset. I'm going to throw a temper tantrum if the Cardinals don't trade for Tyler Glass. <laughs> because it's precisely what they're missing and what they yeah. say they want. They sure. want more swing and miss in the rotation. Yeah. This is a guy who gets as much swing and miss as anyone. Yes, the innings are not going to be there. I don't care. I mean, he threw, what, 120 innings this year. He's going to be a free agent after this next year. There's no guarantee he's going to be around for more than 100 innings total. Yeah. But it's, it's the kind of move they need to make. Um, obviously, he would make sense for a ton of teams, other teams as well. You've seen the the Braves speculated as a, as a landing spot. That would sure. be a really good spot for him as well. Um, but, yeah. I'm telling you, man. I'm gonna be if if the if the Cardinals don't get Tyler Glass now, they better sign Yamamoto and Aaron Nola both or something to make up for it. I went over this with uh, our good buddy Drewbert. I do think that they're going to add a lot of starting pitchers. Um, I actually think that they're going to get Nola and bring back Jordan Montgomery. I think both of those guys are going to end up being St. Louis Cardinals. If they aren't aggressive, um, you have every right to start rooting for somebody else because they have they have such a need, such a need, an obvious need. Real quickly, how many untouchables do you have in a Tyler Glassdown trade? Uh, untouchable. Uh, Jordan Walker, is that if he counts as a prospect still? 100%, yeah. You're not trading Mason Wynn for one year of, of Tyler Glassnow. Okay. Um, beyond that? Probably no one. Tim Kent? I would really not want to do that. Yeah. Tink had a disappointing-ish year, although he did 
make like 23 starts was, was I think the biggest question mark with him, mm-hmm. whether he could hold up. Um, so uh, would he be untouchable? At, I don't know if he would be untouchable in a, in a glass down deal. I'd be really concerned if the Rays want him because <laughs> they're yeah. really good at the, like identifying like their type of one, guys. One thing is for certain, whoever they would trade in a, in a glass nut trade, he's going to be very good for the Rays in one or two years. A hundred percent. I think Yandy Diaz also makes a ton of sense just because you're selling so high on Yandy Diaz. Mm-hmm. Yandy Diaz had a fantastic season, but he's is he somebody that I trust as like a legitimate middle of the order bat going forward? Probably not. Um, I'd like or, to see him or in, stay healthy or just stay healthy. That's a great point. Yeah. He's someone I would like in Seattle, to be honest. Um, I'm ready to move on from Ty France after the last year and a half. I, I like Ty France as a person. It's just not a player that I think is legitimately a starting first baseman on a playoff contending team. Yandy Diaz to me is like, I don't want to be like pot committed to Yandy Diaz, but I think that that could be a player who makes sense. Manny Margo. It also wouldn't shock me if like, Isak Paredes was a player that they would be willing to move like pretty much anybody like because they've got Curtis Mead on the raise. They got so many of these young players. Xavier Isaac, one of the most underrated young uh, hitting prospects in baseball. Junior Caminero is probably going to be an everyday player for them at some point in 2024. I just think you're going to see them move some guys that people are going to be like, dang you, Rays, you cheap, you know, so-and-sos where some of it is just like, we have better guys who are ready to go right now than these guys. And if you can get and keep this reload thing, sure, I'd prefer them to sign a bunch of players. The other thing I think we have to keep in mind with the Rays before we move on, I'm not going to talk about the Wander Franco stuff. His payroll commitment is going to have a lot to do with what the Rays end up doing. There's just yeah. no way of ignoring that. The, if yeah. the Rays do not have to pay Wander Franco – it's going to be easier for them to be aggressive and maybe sign some guys to extensions and stuff like that. Whereas if they are under Franco, I think, I don't think he gets starts getting a big bump until the year after that though. Okay. Fair. Um, So I think his salary is still pretty low in 2024. I don't know if that's a good point, how they, how they've baked that all into their immediate and long-term costs, but yeah, that's certainly something to keep in mind, obviously. A hundred percent. Enough about Wander Franco. I hope I never have to talk about him ever again. Uh, Shane Bieber. Maybe Shane Bieber's the most obvious guy who's going to be changing teams. Like, it, it's almost impossible for me to imagine him wearing a Cleveland guarding uniform. He's not the same pitcher that we saw in the truncated 2020 season, which was, I think, one of the more underrated dominant seasons of all time. Like, it was one of the most impressive seasons. I'm sure, sure it was short, but for those 11 or 12 starts that he made, he was really, really, really good. Now, he's still good, but it's hard for me to imagine that Cleveland is interested in paying Shane Bieber in part because of all of the starting pitchers that they have, like young guys that are ready to go. Maybe the Tristan McKenzie stuff is something that makes him go, heck, especially with this news that the Twins are going to cut payroll, which is just unbelievable i mean it's believable but it's just unbelievable band divisions 2024 please please do not let the al central be a thing if nobody ends up being aggressive and spends money here but i think shane bieber's gone and i think he does make sense for your cardinals even if they were to make a trade for a tyler glass now or add a a yamamoto yeah i mean the only thing i think 
that could prevent a beaver tray is if, if his market has just dried up so much that they're just not going to get enough in a trade to make it worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, it seems like the, and he's still, he was still had a good year. Yeah. Um, but like he, like the stuff and the strikeout rate in particular has just completely bottomed out. Yeah. And front offices are smart now. Like everybody sees that they know that Shane Bieber, the reputation still maybe from the casual fan is that he's still an ace. He, I don't think any team uses him as an, as an ace anymore. No, he could get the velocity back. He could get the stuff back. You never know. Um, but it's trending in the wrong direction. And will the Guardians be willing to sell? Is it selling low on him? I think it's probably selling low on him. Yeah. Um, but as you mentioned, always the payroll stuff to consider with them. Yep. And as it is with the Rays as well. They have people waiting in the wings to take over. So they probably still end up trading him. I think I, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, he still feels like, as long as he's healthy, we got to mention that he did have an arm issue during the second half, although he came back fairly strong at the tail end of the year. Um, like he's almost – it's he's kind of in a weird spot because, like, it's clear if he doesn't get that velo back and the swing and this stuff back, that the ceiling is way lower, but he's also kind of a high floor guy now. Mm -hmm. Like he's a, he's a relatively safe play as long as he's healthy. That's a good call. Just kind of a little kind of, kind of a catch 22 there, I guess. But yeah, yeah like he's a, as long as he's viewed as more of a mid rotation guy and he's the guardians are realistic about that, but that's what he is at this point. I think he's a very high likelihood. He's traded. And he's the type of guy who I think makes sense to be dealt for some MLB ready type of players. Like I'll just jump to the bottom of the list that we have here, like a Tyler O'Neill or a, a Dylan Carlson type of trade for Shane Bieber, I think just makes a lot of sense. Like the guardians probably aren't interested in an outfielder. Yeah, yeah. It's the hulking slugging outfielder. Yeah. <laughs> That's, Is Tyler O'Neill that still? I don't know, but sure. It yeah. is the kind of player that makes sense. I, I, you're not going to get, I don't think, Bieber one for one. Glad no. Oh, Tyler O'Neill, but hit part of a trade for Shane Bieber would make sense, sure. Absolutely. And maybe I think Carlson for Bieber might be a trade that just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, I do think Dylan Carlson has shown enough flashes that I have a still pretty strong um, optimism in. I wonder if it makes more sense for him to be in a different organization at this point, just because of what the Cardinals have. And I don't know if he can live up and it has nothing to do with their player development. I think it has to do with sometimes guys just need a new scenery. Sometimes yeah. guys just need to go play for a new club and it wouldn't shock me at all. I'm not saying he's going to be the Randy Rosarina or Adolis Garcia that makes you shake your head or anything like that. It wouldn't shock me if all, at all if he had a really solid career playing for a different baseball team. I think the same thing could be said about a few of these guys. We'll go a little quick through the end here. Um, Dylan Cease. I'm not sure if Dylan Cease is really going to be available or not, just because I don't know if the White Sox make any sense. By the way, the Jason Benetti stuff. Holy crap on a cracker. What are you 
doing, Chicago White Sox? Jerry Reinsdorf, sell the Major League Baseball team. If you don't think Jason Benetti is a good announcer, like this is objective. Jason Benetti is one of the very best to do it in the absolute sport. Congratulations on the Tigers on getting him. Um, I hope that the White Sox get somebody great. If you come near my Aaron Goldsmith, the Cardinals tried to do this last year. Do not come near my Aaron Goldsmith, guys. Do not come near my Aaron Goldsmith. Anyway, Dylan Cease, really good pitcher. We saw the flaws last year that, hey, no, he has not completely figured out the command thing. There are still going to be issues with walks. But in terms of swing and miss stuff, this is another guy. Like, the Cardinals make sense. Um, Baltimore, I think, makes a ton of sense for a Dylan Cease type of guy. Like, Cincinnati would also make sense to me for a Dylan Cease type of guy. Cincinnati, who we haven't mentioned a whole heck of a lot. We're going to mention one player here uh, as we're closing things out that I think will be on the move for them just because of infield stuff. Anyway, I think Dylan Cease absolutely makes sense on one of those young up-and-coming teams where you have your chance to add, basically, for lack of a better term, you have a chance to add your Spencer Strider. Yeah, and you you heard uh, new GM Chris Getz. He was not shy in uh, saying, literally, I, I don't like our team. <laughs> He's not wrong. Yeah, and he kind of walked that back slightly, it felt like, and basically saying, I just don't like how we're we're not very well-rounded. Sure. Obviously, we have a lot of talent, but we're not yeah. a well-rounded team, which, yeah. which is fair. Yeah. Um, and is tra- training Dylan Cease part of the a way that he rectifies that to uh, kind of inject some new blood and move some bodies around a little bit? Would make sense. I mean, it would probably would have made more sense to trade him after the season before when he yeah. was a runner up for the Cy Young, but yeah. still misses a ton of bats. Some, and like you said, somebody's going to dream on that upside. There, there would be plenty of interest in him if he is, if he's definitely on the market. Yeah. And it, I, I just not a hundred percent sure he is like, yeah. it doesn't really make sense for him to be on the market in my humble estimation, unless, unless you do not believe that he can throw enough strikes to be a legitimate ace. I personally believe he can do just enough, like Robbie Ray-esque from the right side, only a little bit better. I think he has yes. just enough of the ability to command the strike zone for ball four quadrants in order to be that ace type of guy. But look, if somebody's offering you a, a massive deal where you can get like a top 10 prospect on top of some other stuff, the Dodgers have to be calling about Dylan Cease, right? Like that has to be an, a call that they're making, especially for the White Sox aren't interested in being good next year. Like of, of, of anybody I think who isn't interested in being good next year, I think the White Sox might be at the top of that list. So that's one of the reasons I think you have to take I, it. I think, I think Dylan Cease's ADP just went up four rounds by you just mentioning <laughs> the, Dodgers, the Dodgers as a possibility. But yeah, I mean that would yeah. Dylan Cease on the Dodgers getting their Ooh. hands on him. That's sure. some uh, that's some clay you can you can mold for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that if he is moved, like I think fantasy managers are borderline praying that he's moved at this point because the chances for wins for Chicago just aren't going to be there. Eloy Jimenez, by the way, somebody that I'd be looking mm-hmm. to make a move for as well, especially if you just say you are a designated hitter. If you even try to go into the outfield, um, you are fined $65,000. That would be my Eloy Jimenez. You're not allowed to shag. You spend all of your time watching film hitting and swinging the bat. That's that's all you're allowed to do. Sorry, buddy. That's all you're allowed to do. 
Because when he's on the field, he's a really good offensive player. He just hasn't been on the field enough. I think the other thing with Eloy Jimenez is you're probably selling low because um, his value certainly isn't as high as it was a couple of years ago. But outside of Luis Robert, I ain't move. I am moving pretty much. I'm willing to move everything is what I would say for the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chris Getz has got to keep his keep his mind open. Certainly this winter, that they, they don't need to trade a guy like Jimenez. He's under team control for multiple years. Mm-hmm. Still cost controlled, but you know, as you mentioned, like like he's he's got to be the most uncoordinated young. <laughs> really good hitter in baseball. Like he just, he looks so awkward in the play in the outfield and just always gets hurt. Like the, the guys, minute that they just, the minute they decide, okay, we'll give him one game in the outfield. Here's his hamstring again. Like it's just, just he needs to play, be a full time DH for sure. A hundred percent. He's the guy that I think sometimes it's not quite like Bob Hamlin esque or Dan Vogelbach esque, but like. If you want to say you don't have to be a great athlete to be a professional baseball player, maybe you, you, you take a little points at uh, old Eloy because certainly has had some success, but has to stay on the field. Uh, Reds fans threw a big old tissy fit when this guy was suggested as a potential trade guy um, in the summer last year. But I think Jonathan India is definitely going to be on the move in part because there's just so many guys that they have to find spots for. Didn't end the year particularly great. Uh, ended up with an OPS plus of a, even 100, 244, 338, 407. 17 homers, though, and 14 steals. Maybe this is a guy that fantasy managers would almost prefer to stay in Cincinnati if he is playing every day to be in that park. But I still do think there's some fantasy upside. And because he's a pretty solid defensive player as well, I do imagine that he's going to be on the move. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was just Kirk Herbstreet that got upset with the with the Jonathan India stuff. <laughs> he, got, he got big mad. Yes, he did. Um, but yeah, he's. It seems like a foregone conclusion that he's going to be dealt. It just makes too much sense. I mean, they even after if they do trade India, even after declining Bato's option, they still have more players for their infield spots than they have actual spots. So. Makes all the sense in the world. I think your Mariners could make some sense. 100%. DePoto has talked about wanting to get more uh, guys that make more contact, that can get on base better. Um, 54% of the time. 54%. Yes. But I I think Jonathan Indy makes a lot of sense there. I think he could make sense for a team like the Blue Jays, Mm -hmm. um, who also reportedly are – interested in Votto too. That would be a nice little book into Votto's career. If he could end up in, in Toronto, that would be, that'd be cool to see. But yeah, Jonathan India, his, his fantasy value is almost surely going to take a hit no matter where he goes. I mean, that's just sure. the reality. He took advantage of great American ballpark for sure. He's a guy who feed the bat at ball data has never been good. Um, but he's, figured out how to kind of Marcus Simeon where he hits the ball just hard enough and always pulls it in the air so he can take advantage of that. Sure. Um, but so he, he was, he's going to be hurt almost surely wherever he winds up um, ballpark wise, but you know, maybe he can 
team context wise, you know, they can be, uh, can be okay. You know, your Mariners do have a history of dealing with the Reds as well. So yes, they do. I think it's, I think that might be uh, Jerry's uh, first big move of the off season. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I honestly think though, sure. It's a, a hurt in the power thing. I think he might be a little bit, he has not gotten a chance to run as much in Cincinnati. I think he might be more of a stolen base guy with the new organization. I could see yeah. David Bell, you know, he's not afraid. I mean, look, Ellie De La Cruz, I think uh, it felt like he stole 165 bases is what it felt like, but certainly wasn't afraid to let that guy go. But the Mariners certainly are willing to run. And I think the contact thing is a good point. Is Jonathan India like, the perfect non-struck out guy, not even close. He struck out 141 times in 2021, but he can't put the ball in play. He does draw walks. He's a solid defensive player. I think Seattle would be a really nice fit for him. Uh, let's close with a couple of twins here, Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco. We talked about it, Ryan. They're going to be cutting payroll. They have guys who I think they probably feel like can put up just as good of numbers and not pay as much particularly Matt Walner, who I think Matt Walner is not being talked about nearly enough for being a potential, not just sleeper in 2023, like 2024, excuse me. Sleeper is not even the right term, but like he can be like the type of guy who helps you win a league. I like his offensive potential that much. And then the twins do have some pretty good infield type of guys, but I think both of those guys have a chance for some fantasy success with whatever new team they're playing for. One of those guys for sure is getting moved. Yeah, I mean, we it seemed like a foregone conclusion that Kepler was going to get traded last offseason. Sure. And as it turns out, like the Twins are probably going to get more for him now than they would have last offseason. Congratulations, guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, had a, he had a nice year. Yeah. Um, I think they could get a at least like a B prospect for him and clear that salary, which they're apparently wanting to do. Um, Jorge Polanco, they have – I'm going to say it again. We love to say it. You love to say it. Edouard Julien. Edouard Julien. Ready to take over at second base. So, Polanco does make make some sense. Does he have any kind of no trade protection? I don't he, – he's probably a little short of 10 and 5. I think right, so. Isn't he? Yeah. Um, I can't imagine even if he did that he would be like – I'm so attached to Minnesota. I'm really not interested in being moved with all due respect. Like it's hard for me to be believe that he wouldn't be willing to be moved in part yeah. because I think he wants to play every day and his best chance of playing every day is to be traded to a team, another team. Yeah. 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 Could definitely see that. I mean, and all the teams we mentioned for India would make some sense for, for Jorge Polanco as well. So still good player Jorge Polanco when he can stay healthy. Um, and as you mentioned, twins are looking to cut payroll. So both of those guys could be on the move. Absolutely. And it's disappointing because I think Minnesota has a nice little thing going. And again, there's some raised stuff with this a little bit like, Hey, they've got some guys who I think can be as good, if not better than Kepler and Polanco in the long term. still a little skeptical of Kepler. Like, yeah, good, yeah. really good season. 816 OPS a lot to like and uh, not a old player by any stretch of the imagination. Can he stay healthy and can he hit same sided pitching on a consistent basis? I'm not hundred percent sure about that, but certainly somebody who makes sense. Seattle would make sense for Max Kepler. I think quite a bit um, as somebody, 
they need an outfielder now. Tioscar Hernandez is definitely not coming back. Let me close with this, Ryan. What happens first, big trade or big free agent signing? Um, I'm going to say big trade. Okay. Um, I think especially we usually see, I feel like, some moves prior to the roster protection deadlines and tendering contracts. You have to make those decisions. People are doing some roster maneuvering. I think we could see something this week, mm-hmm. a decent, a, a pretty decent sized trade. Um, the free agency might take a little bit longer. There's usually a, a guy or two that's going to sign, you know, before Thanksgiving, but usually the bigger stuff happens after that. I, th- I think a trade is probably more likely. This is going to be really interesting to, to follow just because I think all of the big free agents have to wait to see what happens with Otani. And that yeah. I think is going to take some real time because if you're showing Otani, unless somebody just goes expletive deleted it, here's 12, 600, just sign it, do it. If you want it, here it is. Unless something like that happens and I don't think it will. Why would you not just take your time with this? Why would you not wait and see every single offer? And that's, for Cody Bellinger and for uh, players of that ilk, Yamamoto, I could see signing fairly quickly. I so I do think that could be the one that um, maybe changes things a little bit. But like, if you're those bats, you have to wait and see what the market sets up with this Otani thing because no, it's not fair to compare Cody Bellinger to Shohei Otani. Let's be honest here; they're they're not similar offensive players. And I think one's a little bit better pitcher, even though that one of them won't be pitching next year. That's just my humble estimation that Shohei Otani is a better pitcher than Cody Bellinger. But hot take. You're not, there's no way. Thank you, sir. There's no way in heck you're not waiting if you're Cody Bellinger, unless again, I suggested six, 200 million for something like that. That would be like the, the moving point for Cody Bellinger. Uh, Kylie McDaniel, by the way, predicted 12 and 520 for uh, Shohei Otani crazy that is crazy to see for a guy who is usually pretty conservative with this type of stuff um i like kylie a lot even though having your favorite food being chicken wings is just so weird to me like i get it i like chicken wings but your favorite food that's ridiculous anyway 12 years 520 million dollars like a projection from somebody who has worked in a front office it's pretty nuts man yeah i mean Yamamoto, I think you're right. I mean, he, the the 45 day window, right? That he would have. It sounds like he's going to be posted any day now, mm-hmm. um, soon. So you know, he could be one of the bigger dominoes to fall. You know, we we uh, the Boston guy coming over from Japan. I'm blanking on his name. Yo- Yoshida. Yeah, um, that was quick. He, he signed like one day after getting posted, which. I'm surprised there wasn't some tampering mentions of that, to be honest with you. Yeah. It was it was it was a little too quick for my my taste. I don't care. Tamper all you want. It doesn't affect anything. You can yeah. spend money on baseball players, good for you. But I'm surprised some people, at least publicly, weren't a little more aggressive with that. And I apologize to chicken wings. I think I might go get some after this show. Uh thank you so much for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Um, I don't know what they're calling this website anymore, but you can follow me at Crawford underscore MILB and you can follow Ryan at Ryan P. Boyer. 
Make sure you're following all of our social medias week. We really appreciate your support. Uh, and we'll see you next week. And I hope we have um, Shohei Otani to the Seattle Mariners. How about now?